Hello and welcome. You've tuned into the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, and more. Later, you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. There's also, because the Bible is very scientific, We understand the laws of thermodynamics, but what about hydrology? The science of water. You remember, you probably learned about that in school, evaporation, condensation, precipitation. You learned how all of those things take place. Well, that's called, well, we know that as the science of hydrology. The clouds come over the land. They they drop water through the precipitation. The rain runs into the creeks. The creeks run into the streams, the streams run into the rivers, the rivers into the sea. And then the clouds pull up the water again from the sea, they take it back over the land, it drops it again, the whole process goes on and on again. Do you realize in Isaiah 55, the Old Testament, and also in Ecclesiastes, I've given you these, all the rivers flow into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place where the rivers flow, they flow again. Isaiah 55, For the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth. So Isaiah says, they came down, they water the earth, they go back again. The water keeps running into the sea, but the sea never gets full. Why? Because the water is being pulled back up again. Because God has set certain laws in established. Job, the oldest book of the Old Testament, Job 36, verse 27 and 28, talks about the evaporation and condensation centuries prior to anybody knowing this. It says, God draws up the drops of water. They distill rain from the mist, which the clouds pour down. They drip upon man abundantly. You see, it's incredible because the Bible explained all of those things so far before man ever knew. What about in the 1500s when Copernicus first represented the idea that the earth was in motion. Up until the 1500s, everybody thought the earth was flat as a pancake. If you went out past the rock of Gibraltar, the pillars of Hercules, if you went out past it, you were going to fall off the earth. That's what man believed for so long. However, the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, says that the world was round. The world is our word Earth is chug. It means a sphere. You mean the Bible says the world was a sphere? Absolutely. Absolutely. And what about all of the stars in the sky? You know, it wasn't until that uh, Copernicus says that the world was in motion and by the 17th century you have Galileo and Kepler that gave birth to modern astronomy. And prior to that thought, People believe there were 1,000 stars in the sky. 1,000 stars in the sky. That's it. No more. But remember in Genesis, it says that he would make of Abraham his offspring as the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. And now we have satellites taking pictures and we see galaxies upon galaxies 
stars upon stars, and it doesn't cost very much for them to find a new star, and you can have that named. Why? Because there's, it's like going to the, picking up a little grain of sand. It's that many. There's millions upon millions. Well, that's what the Bible says. I'll multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and the sand of the seashore. Jeremiah 33, 22 says, The stars cannot be counted. And as God was speaking, the host, and as the host of heaven cannot be counted and the sand of the sea cannot be measured, so I will multiply the descendants of David. Today we know there are millions and millions of galaxies beyond this galaxy. Furthermore, In Job 26, verse 7, God hangs the earth on nothing. Isn't that amazing? Job says the earth is turned like the clay to a seal. Now, we may not understand that. But when someone was writing and they took a stylus and they would write on a clay tablet and they would put that there and then they would sign their name, put that clay around it so that you could read it by turning that message. Just like we have scrolls. You would turn it, you would read it. And that's the way many times messages were put. You mean the Bible says that the earth was as the tablet on a scroll so that you could turn it on its axis and see it. That's exactly what he says. Just like the clay of a seal. Like the clay of a seal that would be used so that you could see it over and over. You see, the Bible is exactly explains that the earth rotates, that it was a a sphere, and that it's moving around the sun, and that the sun is moving. Have you ever studied the study of balance, isotity? The earth maintains perfect balance, even though we have mountains that are 20,000 feet. And we don't know the depths of the ocean, but they may be 20,000 feet deep. And yet, The scripture says that God has weighed the mountains in his hand. The dust. That he holds the waters in his hand. That's why Isaiah 40 and verse 12 says, God has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens by a span and calculated the dust of the earth by the measure and weighed the mountains in the balance and the hills as a pair of scales. Incredible to think that our earth is being held by the hand of God and being turned perfectly in those ways. Well, it was the English philosopher Herbert Spencer who died in 1903 that was famous for coming up with five categories of science. He categorized it saying that everything is either time, force, action, space, or matter. Everything. Well, that's good. But when we look at the book of Genesis 1 and 1, in Genesis 1 and 1, it says, in the beginning, that's time. God, that's force. Created, that's action. The heavens, that's space. And the earth, that's matter. You see, in everything God has established in his word, That it is in accordance with all of scientific theory. It meets all of scientific law. We do not have to back up one moment and be afraid that the Bible is not scientific. Even though it does not use scientific terminology, it is amazingly accurate. I I could give you more and more, but let's look on. Let's move on. What about miracles? 
Another evidence that we have of the Bible, miracles. Christ was raised from the dead. We talked about that last week or two weeks ago. We talked about the resurrection of the dead. But do you know that over 500 people saw Jesus at one time? Do you know the miracles were attested to not by one person seeing it or two people, but what about the loaves and the fishes where there were 3,000 men, 5,000 men. So that means there were also women and children there, maybe 15,000 people. He saw five loaves, two fish, and it feeds 15,000 people, and they all see it, and then they pick up baskets, and they recognize that. What about when Israel was fleeing from the Egyptian army and the Red Sea parts and the water stand up. You know, there's conservatively figuring two million people, maybe three million people that walk through on dry ground. You see, the miracles of the Bible were not attested to by one person or two people, but by 500 people, by 1,500 people by two million or three million people. You see, because when God does something, He does it so that nobody can say, oh, that wasn't God. Everybody recognized that was God. And the Egyptians that didn't recognize that it was God that did it, follow right along on the dry ground, and what happens but that? They're destroyed. You see, Bible miracles are a very definite proof that the Bible is so. Hi, give me a moment to update you with a bit of information. You can reach us now at schoolofministryresources.org or biblelandmarks.com. You can also reach us at P.O. Box 837, Valley Springs, California, 95252. Please contact us with comments, questions, or to receive handouts and printed material. We look forward to hearing from you. Now, back to the podcast. What about prophecy? There are over 300 specific Bible prophecies about Jesus alone. 330, actually, that tell of his birth. That he would be born, was born in Bethlehem, that he'd be raised in Nazareth. Specific things that he would say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Specific sayings, specific places. And you see, if he were not God, he could not choose the time and the place of his birth. Peter Stoner is a mathematician, and he wrote on the areas of probability. And he said that if you just take eight Bible prophecies... They would come to pass. He says it is like 1 in 10 to the 17th power. Now, I didn't understand what that meant. That eight Bible prophecies, that it was 1 in 10 to the 17th power, but he explains it like this. He says, if you took silver dollars and you placed them all over the whole state of Texas, you put a silver dollar over the whole state, that would be two feet tall. Now, if you mark one of those silver dollars, two feet tall, over the whole state of Texas, and you put a blindfold on somebody and you say, now go find the silver dollar with an X, and that man can go find that silver dollar with an X, that is the same probability that we have that eight Bible prophecies would be fulfilled just as they were fulfilled. That's the mathematics of it. 
The Bible predicted a man by the name of Cyrus would be born 150 years before he was born. That he would rise to power in the Middle East. That he would release the Jewish people from captivity. And you can read that in Isaiah 44 and 45. And sure enough, 150 years later, Cyrus the Great becomes king of Persia and release the Jews exactly as Scripture says. Ezekiel 26, God says that there was this Phoenician city of Tyre, that it would be destroyed. In fact, that a conqueror would come and that he would destroy it and it would push the rubble into the sea. Well, that happened. Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came and he laid siege to the Phoenician city of Tyre three years after that prophecy. But what happens, the Phoenicians, because they're a seagoing people, they go out and they establish another city on an island. And because Nebuchadnezzar did not have a navy, they're out there saying, ha ha, we're over here. And so what does he do? He destroys the city, brings it to rubble. But that does not complete the whole, the whole Bible prophecy because years later, about 250 years later, comes a man by the name of Alexander the Great. And he landed on the rubble and he began moving east and he sent word out to the Phoenicians, you supply my army. And they said, you don't have a navy? We're not going to help you. Alexander the Great got so upset, he takes all of the rubble from the city that Nebuchadnezzar had docked down, and he throws it into the sea, and he makes a causeway, just as the scripture says, and he takes the city of Tyre. He took it exactly, and now all that on that rubble, fishermen dry their nets on that rubble, exactly as the prophet proclaimed. I can give you more and more, but let me give you just one more one last. Oh, by the way, it says that Peter Stoner said the probability of one prophecy coming to pass by chance was one in 75 million. But there's no chance to God's word. There's no chance to that. But what about finally the life of Christ? The life of Christ of all of the Bible prophecies, all of the prophecies of the Old Testament, and you can study the life of Christ in the Gospels. You can study his teachings. You can study what he says and what was brought out to us through the epistles. And you can study about the second coming of Christ in Revelation. The overwhelming indicator of the truth of the scripture is that this supernatural God-man... Jesus Christ cannot be explained. It could not be done by human reasoning. Who would have ever thought to resurrect? Who would have ever thought of the golden rule? Do unto others as you'd have them. Who would have ever thought of showing mercy, of turning the cheek? Who would have ever thought of all of the great teachings? Who would have ever thought that redemption was put upon one man and that he paid it all? You see, all of the prophecies, Jesus fulfilled them all. All of the miracles which he did. And when the Bible then is where we go for God's standards. We can't make these things up. There is a fixed world of laws, morally, physically. They are observable to us. The moral ones are revealed to us through His book, the Bible. 
It's perfect. It restores the soul. It is sure. It makes the wise simple, the scripture says. It's right, rejoicing the heart. It's pure, enlightening the eyes. It's clean, enduring forever. It's true, producing comprehensive righteousness. The word of God is called perfect. The Hebrew word for perfect means many-sided or all-sided. In other words, the Bible covers all aspects of what we need. It's so all-sided. It's comprehensive. It's able to totally restore the soul. The Bible is all-sided. It's perfect. It meets every need of life. It meets all that we could do, all that we could think. You see, the Bible is true. The Bible is accurate. We don't have to be ashamed to say, well, I, I'm not so sure if it's a scientific book. It's absolutely true. It's absolutely reliable. You can trust. You can put your life's faith on. We're going to talk about many, many more. I've got several more uh, that we couldn't even begin to touch on. I didn't mean to go so long at all, all of the sides, but as I began to study, began to see that, it, it, it was exciting to see how, how exact the Bible is when it speaks of these scientific areas. It's exciting to know because you can trust the God of the Bible. You can rest upon Him. You can have your full assurance that He is in control. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church, 301 East Alpine Avenue. That's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at sclministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.